we had two talks that I thought really lead into this talk well. First, we had Tim's talk, which, in which he said, each and every one of us is called to live missionally. And as I heard Tim's talk, I think it really helped me to start thinking ahead to what will life on the campus at the U of M look like? What will life look like in the houses with my friends? And I hope that all of you have just been thinking about that since then. Then on Wednesday, we had Mary's talk, which is, was all about discipleship, what discipleship is, what it looks like, and what it could look like for us going onto the campus. And as we've been thinking more about going back to the campus, the project is kind of wrapping up, and I hope that each of you have started thinking about this for yourself. And I hope that over the course of ministry training and project as a whole, you have all de developed some level of excitement for going back to the campus and living missionally. Um, if you have, I'm very excited for you. And I can honestly say that being at Project, nothing gets me more excited than looking at this room of 75 people and thinking what could God do through all of you in your classes, in the places you live, in your work, at your jobs. And it's like I really do believe that God's going to work powerfully, and that just gets me really excited. Campus Outreach's mission statement is glorifying God by building laborers on the campus for the lost world. And that's what Project is really all about. We're here together. We're here in community. We're learning about God and what it looks like to live as a Christian. And the hope of all of that, the hope of everything that we've been learning, is that you all would be feel equipped and excited to go back to the campus and to shine the light of Christ into wherever God has put you, into any of the relationships that he's given you. So first, if you, for those of you who feel excitement about ministry, I want to affirm that feeling. This excitement reflects God's heart for you and what he wants from you, and it also reflects his heart for the lost and his compassion for the lost. However, as I've learned from experience, and as many of you probably have, it's easy to feel really excited about sharing my faith when I'm here with 75 other people who are also feeling these same feelings. And when I'm reading the Bible every morning with different people. And I'm surrounded by friends who are supporting me and in a Christian community. Um, I think as I was thinking about this talk, running was on my mind. And you want to go to the next slide, Andrew? One more click. I think this picture kind of envisions what, when I think about ministry right now, this is kind of what I feel like. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be me and my friends just happily going. We're going to Things are going to be great. God's going to work in amazing ways, and it's going to be awesome. And I, I think that excitement is really valid and valuable. But looking back at this past year, I think I felt that going into this, this school year. I felt that maybe even for the first few weeks of ministry. And then as time went on, as I went into <laughs> dorms, as I tried to start spiritual conversations that crashed and burned, as I felt weird being a senior going into a dorm of freshmen, and when they asked me, like, oh, do you live here? And they're like, not really. And then having them ask, like, what, what are you doing here? It just it, it felt hard, and that's a lot more of what I felt like. Just kind of <laughs> stuck. And I think that if you haven't felt this already in ministry, this probably will be something you encounter especially this fall going on to the campus. And 
as I'm talking right now, you may be wondering, okay, why is this guy trying to kill any enthusiasm I had for going back to the campus? And I promise you that's not my goal here. I think my, my goal is to remind you realistically that ministry won't be easy. There will be times where it's like, man, this sucks, and I don't want to do this. But we can go forward into those struggles with excitement because we can rest in the imperishable presence of our Savior who goes with us and goes before us. So this next, on the next slide, there's going to be a video. I think this video, this is from the 1992 Olympics. Some of you may have seen this, a guy named Derek Redmond. And I think when I think back to what God did in the last year of ministry and what it looked like for me, this, I think, really reflects that. It's got some kind of corny inspirational music. It's a little dramatic, but... Um, one sec. Some of you may have seen that video before. I've seen it a lot in like Nike ads for just do it. And I think that's not exactly what I get out of that video. I think when I look back at this past year in ministry, I feel like I came out of the gates ready to run. I was going hard and it seemed like things were going really well. And then things got hard and it, it started to feel like, man, I can't do this. And I think the really sweet thing in that video is when he gets to the point where he can't go anymore, his dad runs down from the stands and comes and comes alongside him. And like for me, when I think of this last year, it's like I started off ministry on my own power. I felt like I've, I've got this. This Derek Redmond was the British like record holder for this race. He thought he had a chance to win, and it's like 150 meters in, he 
couldn't even walk. But, and I felt that too. Like, I felt like, man, I can't do this. And just like his dad came and walked alongside him, I think I can see a lot of ways in which Jesus came and walked alongside me in that. So, as I was writing this talk, I thought to myself, okay, any text other than the Great Commission, like literally every talk on this topic is, uses the Great Commission, I'm going to do something unique and original. I tried like six different texts, and I'd start writing, and it just was like, this is not, like, it just didn't work. So, I finally settled on Matthew 28. So, I'm going to pray, and then we'll all turn there and read it together. Father, you've called us to ministry, you've called us to make disciples, but you haven't called us to go alone. You, All authority is yours. You have equipped us and you go before us and with us. So would we rest in that as we think about ministry this next year and then as we go out? Would we rest wholly in you? Would we not run on our own strength or our own wisdom, but would we rely on you? Amen. So if you want to turn to Matthew 28, we're going to read, I'll read verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So with this text, we're going to look at three things that Jesus promises. And for each of those promises, we'll look at three things. What it means for us, what happens when we forget this, and then what does it look like to go forth resting in these promises? So the first promise that we see is he has all authority. And what this means is that nothing that has happened or ever will happen is outside of Jesus' control and God's sovereign plan. So what happens when we forget this? I think first, we spend all of our time thinking about what we can do in ministry. I think even at Project, I felt this so much of thinking through, how can I have this conversation? How can I give this talk? How can I lead worship? How can I help this person to see more of Jesus? And even in trying to help someone see more of Jesus, I'm so focused on myself and what I can do. I think second, we are filled with pride when our ministry succeeds and despair when ministry fails. I think this is a really hard thing because ministry is, it's just really hard to look at ministry as successes and failures because we don't understand how God is working. And when we, when we look at it that way, we're probably going to be left discouraged. Third, when we forget this, our hope is in ourselves, and we can never be good enough. We can never do well enough or have enough impact. People have been talking a lot about Enneagram, the Enneagram. I'm a type three, which is the achiever, and for me, this feels really hard. 
I, I want to, my heart wants to put my identity in what I can achieve or the impact that I can have. And on my own, I can't have any impact. And when I forget that Jesus is the one who has all authority, it's, I'm just left broken and, and sad. But he does have all authority. So what does it look like to rest in this? I think first, we can rest in the God who gives the growth. Um, I think two places where we see this in scripture is the parable of the sower. I don't have it on the slides. It's Matthew 13. And in that parable, Jesus is, is teaching his disciples about sharing the gospel. And what we see is our role in making disciples as the sower. We are the sower in this parable. And the sower goes out and sows the seed. Some of the seed falls in rocky ground and is, it starts to grow and then is burnt up. I can't remember exactly all of them. But like some of the seed doesn't grow. Some of it dies. But some does grow. And the sower doesn't do anything with that. The sower, the only thing the sower does is go and sow the seed. And I think I forget that a lot of the time where I feel like I need to do something. I need to not only sow the seed, but like make it have effect. And we can't make it have effect. So when, when we remember that God is the one who gives the growth, we can go out in faith and share and trust that he will give any growth. I think another place we see this is in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 7. Paul is writing to the Corinthians church and he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And in my heart, I, I think initially I feel disappointed with that because I want to be able to have an impact. But when I think about that, I think it's freeing because God is the one who's responsible. There's no weight on me. My, my job is to share and to be faithful in that, and God is the one who will, will work powerfully. Second, we rest in the goodness of our mysteriously wondrous God. That may sound kind of confusing. I'll say it again. When we remember that he has all authority, we rest in the goodness of our mysteriously wondrous God. And I think this has been one of the things that's been sweetest to me this last year in ministry. I think I've seen a lot of relationships where I wanted to see fruit. I wanted to see people come to faith, and I haven't seen it. And... I've just gone to God and wondered, God, why, if you are working for your glory, would it not be part of your plan that, that this person would hear the gospel and believe? And I think where I've been led in the Bible has been Job 38. And in Job 38, Job has been afflicted with all these things. And he's, he just cried out to God, and God's asking God why all these things have been happening. And God's answer to him is not, these are the reasons. <coughs> this is why you've suffered these things. Even though he could have told him that, God's answer to Job is, where were you when I created the universe? Like, instead of telling him this was my plan in this, God just showed Job over and over in many different ways, this is who I am. And you may not be able to understand what's going on, but you can rest in my identity, and you can rest in knowing that I'm faithful. And I've 
spent many late night drives this last year crying out to God and just asking God, why would this not happen? Why are you doing this in this way? I don't understand. And I don't feel like I have any answers. But what I do know is that the same God who revealed himself to Job in that way has revealed himself to me. And I know that I can trust him because of who he is. Third, when we rest in this, we can rest in the God whose power is made perfect in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10, Paul is talking about crying out to God and asking that some a thorn in his flesh would be removed. And this is what God, what Jesus says to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And now Paul's response, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think in our ministry, when we feel weak, when we feel like we can't have the impact that we want to, we can rest in knowing that Christ's power is made perfect in that, and he, he will work. I can honestly say that nothing in my life has made me feel more weak than this last year in ministry. And, but at the same time, I can say that nothing has brought me greater joy or grown me more than seeing my weakness exposed, but seeing God work powerfully through me and work in ways that I could take no credit for and I don't even understand. But, and I just, it's gonna be hard, but there's so much joy in seeing God work. I think the second promise that we see in this text, this one's a little, it's not as obvious, but I think the second promise is that he has equipped us. And I think he's equipped us in two ways. I think we see this in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And we see this in Acts 1, 4 through 8. It's Acts version of the Great Commission. And Jesus talks about his spirit coming upon them with great power. So I think what this means is we are sent out with God's living word and his Holy Spirit as our guides. And what happens when we forget this? Ministry relies on our own ability and knowledge. And when it relies on my own ability and knowledge, the gospel's effectiveness, I I, I start to believe that the gospel's effectiveness is dependent on how well I can speak, how clearly I can portray the gospel, how eloquent I am. And that's just not true. I think a second thing that happens when we forget this is we are rooted and built up in ourselves, which I think just means our foundation is in ourselves. And when, we're, when our foundation is in ourselves and our own abilities, we're going to be shaken when we feel like we fail because when we fail, our foundation is, is not secure. And I think the third thing that happens is we forget his promises to us. So what, what would it look like to rest knowing that he has equipped us with his word and his spirit? And I think first, our ministry relies on the one who powerfully works through us. 
in Exodus, we see Moses, God in, God in the burning bush, calls Moses to go to Pharaoh. And Moses' response is, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I think when, when I feel like I am not equipped to go forth, I can rest knowing that God is going to be with my mouth. He's going to be with my tongue, and he's going to be the one who's speaking through me. I think when, what another way it looks to rest in this is we are rooted and built up in our identity in Christ. Nothing can shake our identity in Christ. We've been adopted as sons and daughters. So no rejection from man, no persecution, no failure, no feelings of shame can separate us from the love of Christ. I think a third way we can rest in this is we can rest in God's character and his unshakable promises to us. Probably one of the most encouraging verses to me in this last year has been Numbers 23:19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? I think how the reason that's been so impactful is just it reminds me that God has been faithful to every one of his promises and he will continue to be faithful. He is not like man, and he's not unreliable. He has said these things, and he will do it. And I think with that, knowing that he'll be faithful, Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, has been really encouraging. But now, thus says the Lord, he created you. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you. O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And in the hard times, in the times I feel alone, I can know that God is with me. I'm not alone. I can know that when I pass through the waters, even if they're not literal waters, when I pass through rejection from friends, when I pass through ridicule from people who don't understand why I would be in their dorm trying to talk to them about Christianity, he will be with me and I will not be overwhelmed. And I think the biggest way that this has played out in my life has been through scripture memory. Um, last summer, Zach gave a talk on scripture memory, and he recited Romans 8 at the beginning. And I think that had just a profound impact on my life of seeing the importance of having scripture in my mind so that I could call, call upon it when I needed it. And over the summer and the fall, I memorized Colossians. And I can honestly say nothing in the past year has been more encouraging than those verses that I have. When I struggled to trust that Jesus was in control, Colossians 1.17 told me that 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When I went out onto the campus and I saw thousands of students chasing after things that would not bring them joy or satisfaction, I remembered that I too was alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And I was dead in my trespasses and the uncircumcision of my flesh. And God helped me to feel compassion for them. When I felt discouraged by my weakness and my sin, I was reminded that God made me alive together with him, having forgiven me all my trespasses. And by canceling the record of debt that stood against me, along with its legal demands, this he set aside nailing to the cross. And I was also reminded that I do sin, yes, but I've put off the new self along with its practices, and I've put on the put off the old self along with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator, and that could encourage me when I felt weak and broken. Brittany talked about scripture memory earlier this summer, and I hope that she inspired you to start memorizing scripture, and I just think I couldn't encourage you more to memorize the truth, because in the moment, it's so easy and so quick to forget the truth, and most of the times when I'm faced with lies from the devil, I don't have my Bible open. But having his word hidden away in my heart, it's fresh on my mind and I can fight the lies of the devil. The final promise from the Great Commission, I think is the most comforting promise to me in the Bible. And it is that he is with us always to the end of the age. So what this means, Jesus comes with us to comfort and strengthen us. I think what happens when I forget this is I can feel alone or abandoned on the campus and in the lost world. And maybe for you, this feels like being the only Christian on a sport team. Maybe it's the only person who's trying to live missionally in your room or your hall. Maybe you're not going back to a campus and you're going back to a workplace where it's really hard to live out your faith. And when we forget that he's with us, we can feel really alone. And we can even feel abandoned by God. But is with us. We also we can fear what we fear what the world can do to us. Rejection is much scarier. Ridicule hurts so much more. But when we rest in this promise, we can go out with boldness because our great shepherd leads and guides us. I think the picture of my first talk, I talked a lot about shepherd and sheep, and I think this picture has just been really helpful for me. Of I can go forth feeling like I don't understand everything that's going on. I can go forth into a place where I don't know what's going to happen because my shepherd is leading me. Says he will lead me to besides or to green pastures and besides still waters. And when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me. His rod and his staff will comfort me. I think it also looks, when we rest in this, we remember that the Holy Spirit goes with us and before us. 
as we go out, the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts to share, and it prepares the hearts of those we're going to talk to to hear. And the Holy Spirit works with so much more power than we could. Without it, we, our words could never convince anyone. Like, I, I don't have the means or the eloquence to, to change someone's heart, but the, only the Spirit can. But the Spirit is with us. And third, when we rest in this, He strengthens and helps us. Colossians 1.27 to 28 says, this is Paul speaking, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone that we may proclaim, we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy, which He powerfully works within me. And I, I don't think I think about that very much. What would it look like for God's energy to work powerfully within me? And I think that's something I want to grow in because my energy often fails me. Even this last week, I was sick and I would wake up and immediately want to go back to sleep. But when I rest not on my own energy and my own ability, but on Christ who is my rock, he can work in ways that I never could. So as we go forward, each of us is going to a different place. But I hope that as you all go out, you could rest in these promises and all the other promises in the Bible. Because without resting in his promises, we're going to go out and we're going to be excited. And then when hardship comes, when struggles come, we'll feel abandoned and alone. And we'll just crash and burn. So... Practically, I want to look at three, three steps or three principles for the end of project and then August on how to prepare our minds and our hearts to go to the campus. So, first, ask the Lord to prepare your heart for ministry and to give you guidance. So that looks like praying. And this last week when CCP was here, I was talking to Carl Geary, who was my team, team leader last summer, and the thing that he said he learned the most over the course of the summer was that he doesn't pray enough. And when I thought back to last summer, I honestly could say that I don't know anyone in my life who prays more than Carl. Mm-hmm. And that was just striking to me that Carl's number one takeaway, takeaway would be that he doesn't pray enough. And it started me thinking, like, how does my prayer life reflect my reliance and my trust on God? And when I look at my prayer life, it reflects a life that, it reflects that I have a lot of confidence in myself, that I don't feel like I need to pray. So I would encourage you guys to bow your knees before the Father this August and these coming weeks in this August, asking for wisdom in how to move forward in ministry and where to go. Pray for your friends. Pray specifically for them. Pray pray for specific people and pray for wisdom and guidance on how to pursue them spiritually. And I think two reasons that I would have for why we should pray is I think when we pray, we're forcing ourselves to rely on God. Prayer itself is an act of reliance. And I, I don't rely on God as much as I should. And I think a second reason to pray is that God works powerfully 
through prayers. Throughout the, the Bible, there's promises of asking will be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be opened to you. And I don't know if I believe that a lot of the time. So pray. Pray for your friends and pray for yourself. Second, strive to rest in his promises. I think what that looks like is developing and keeping habits that you've had this summer of Bible reading, of memorization and prayer, of accountability and sharing with others. Project is awesome, and I feel like I've never been in a place where those things are cultivated more and encouraged more. But August can be a really hard month coming off a project because you've just been in this community and a lot of us will be going back home to friends who maybe don't understand what we've been doing or aren't Christians. And it can be really easy for those habits that we've been developing for the last two months to, to die. But I think it's really important to strive to keep those up. It's important to hold each other accountable even when we're not in the same place because I know for myself, when I go out on my own and I don't have accountability, my spiritual disciplines and those habits I've built so easily fall off. I think it's really important to have a plan for each of those disciplines. Have a plan before you leave Project for what are you going to read in the Bible in August. Have a plan of these are the people I want to pray for and the things I want to pray for and for scripture, memory, and meditation. And share those with your room. Share those with people who can hold you accountable. Share, like, share details so they can ask you questions. Because if we're going to go out into the campus and rest in his promises, we need to be being filled up daily by his word. I think the third principle I want to talk about is setting goals. And this one has been a really hard thing for me to think about. It's a good thing to have a vision for what you want to see God do in the next year. Ministry is not about numbers, and often tangible results are hard to come by, and it's hard to put our faith in those, but we do not put our faith in the results, but we put our faith in a God who can powerfully work. And I think as I've been thinking about this talk, I've realized that a lot of times I'm afraid to make goals or cast a vision or to ask for things specifically because I don't trust that God will work. I, I feel like when I ask specifically for something, I'm just setting myself up to be disappointed if I don't get it. So when I, I can just pray vaguely, I can set what I would call conservative goals, and that way I won't be as disappointed if they don't happen. And I think that reflects a lack of faith in my heart. Zach, when I was talking to Zach Simmons about this talk at the beginning of the summer, he said, that he thought I should finish by, I should, he said he wanted me to pray about what I'm, my vision for the campus this upcoming year would be and share it with you guys. And at first I was like, oh, that'll be, that'll be fun. I like that. And over the last few weeks, as I've been praying about it, I've really struggled. To be honest with you, I think thinking about this in the last two weeks has shown me so many ways which I haven't been trusting God. I feel, I've always had a hard time praying boldly for specific things. And I think that in my heart, it's because I've felt hurt in the past when I've prayed specifically for things and not seen them answered in the ways that I've prayed for. 
when I don't pray for things, there's just fewer opportunities for me to be disappointed. But Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his sons ask you for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, give good things, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And I can read those verses and say I believe them, but it feels really hard for me to believe that because in the past I felt like, man, I've asked for things and they haven't been given to me. I've sought after the Lord and haven't found him. And I think the root of that is that I fear that when I ask, my Father in heaven will not give me good things. This last year, I prayed almost every day that my friend Ben would be saved. As I shared the gospel with him and read the Bible with him, I kept praying, and I didn't see it happen. I poured out my heart to God throughout the year, wondering why he wouldn't save Ben. I know that God's plan is for more of his glory and for my joy and for my good. And I don't understand why it wouldn't be for more of God's glory and more of my joy that Ben would hear the gospel and believe. I still don't know why Ben did not believe. I still don't know why things that I've asked for have not been answered in the ways that I've asked. But my faith in God's goodness is not rooted in my understanding of his plan. It never could be. Because God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. I could never understand them. My faith in God's goodness is rooted in his character. There are parts of my father's plans that I will never know or understand. But I do know my father. I think a verse that has just really helped me in this is Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So as I've been thinking about my vision, I think I've been convicted of my sin in not trusting. But God's been, I think God's been powerfully working in me to reveal to, to me himself, to reveal that I don't know everything and that's okay because I do know him. So I want to share a vision statement that I wrote last night with you guys. And I want you to think of, be thinking of two things as I share this. First, this is going to, probably going to look very different than a lot of you guys. We're all going to different places. And this isn't like a template. This isn't true for all of you. This is just something, things that I've been praying and that God has put on my heart for this next year. And second, without God working, not a single one of these things will happen. None of this will happen on my own strength. I can't accomplish any of this, but it's only through God working. So here's my vision. I want to be used by my Father for the sake of his kingdom among the lost on the U of M campus.
I pray that our student leaders would be rooted and grounded in the truth. I want our community to be a place where we encourage, admonish, and exhort each other to pursue Christ and to live missionally. As an older student in the house, I want to lead in vulnerability in confessing my sin and having my weakness on full display so that Christ's power can be displayed for all to see. I want to be intentional in sharing my faith with my classmates. Instead of just sitting with my friends who are always Christians, I want to encourage Levi, Aaron, and Reed, those friends, to join me in sitting next to others and building relationships in which we could share our faith with others. I want God to work powerfully in the hearts of those who I already am connected with. I pray that my friends from this last year, James and Mason and Ben, would be willing to join in a Bible study with me this fall. And I pray that through that they would hear the gospel again and it it would impact their hearts and they would believe. I pray that my friend Thunder would come to church with us and that God would break down the barriers that keep him from believing the gospel. I want to see God to continue to work in the lives of students who attended the Bible study in Bailey Hall last year. I want to see Garrett and Richie and Mike and Catherine and Anari sharing their faith. I want to see God use them to share the gospel with Adina and Nibras and Sakshi and Tanay and the other students that they know from that floor. I want to be faithful through God's grace to go into the dorms consistently. I pray that whatever dorm I go to, God would open a door into a group of friends like he did this last year in the third floor of Bailey Hall. I want to be part of starting a Bible study in that dorm. And I pray that 10 different students would come throughout the course of the semester and would hear the gospel. It is my hope and prayer that God would use me to reach 15 students with the gospel through my classes, through playing basketball at the rec, through going to the dorms, through guys that I know, through people in the house with the gospel this semester. And I cannot do that on my own. I want to see God work in ways that are so incredible that I could take no credit for them. I understand that I can do none of this on my own, but I also understand that I serve a God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that I could ask or think. According to the power that is work with, at work within me, to him be the glory in my life, in our community, and on the campus. And that's what I want to see God do this year at the U. And I'm praying for that now, and I'm going to continue to pray for that. But I think at this, with that vision, it's important for me to remember that I don't understand God's ways. Many of these things may not happen. This last year, we set, in our leaders retreat, we set goals for the number of people that we wanted to see at conference and at project and at spring break. And we didn't reach any of those goals, but it wasn't discouraging because we, we set those goals and we prayed for those, but we had an open hand, knowing that if God wanted to and if it was God's plan, he could do far more than we even asked. But if he didn't, if we didn't see those things happen, it was because he had something far better for us.
And I think as you think ahead to this next year on the campus of what you want to see God do, just have that mindset. Know that if it doesn't happen, if you ask for something and it seems like he's not giving it to you, it's because he's giving you something far, far better. So I'll pray and we'll have some questions for you to think through with your room.